0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Today we're going to talk about Trump's latest Hail Mary play to steal the election that's even sent shockwaves through his own inner circle how some voting systems vendors that were the targets of right-wing smear campaigns are getting back at Republicans, and my interview with Al Franken, where we discuss why Republicans are sticking with Trump after he lost, whether certain administration officials should be held accountable, and how to message more effectively moving forward. I'm Brian Tyler Cohen, and you're listening to No Lie. Remember when people said that Trump would finally accept the fact that he lost the election once the states certified their results, and then he didn't? Or that he'd accepted after the safe harbor deadline, which is the date when all state level election challenges like uh, recounts and audits had to be completed, and then he didn't. Or that he'd accepted after the Electoral College voted on December 14th, and then he didn't. Well, now, rather than acknowledge that there's no more meaningful litigation, uh, that there's no more pushing for faithless electors, no more appealing to state legislatures, no more hope of alternate slates of electors, rather than finally acknowledge he lost, We are up to martial law because, of course, we have Rudy Giuliani trying to have the Department of Homeland Security commandeer voting machines. We have Trump pushing for election lawyer and conspiracy theorist Sidney Powell as special counsel to inspect those voting machines. And then we have the newly pardoned felon, Michael Flynn, calling for the military to re-administer elections in the states that Trump lost. And, And this isn't me just saying, oh, this is basically martial law. Because Flynn literally said it outright. He could order the the um, within the swing states if he wanted to. He could take military capabilities and he could place them in those states and basically rerun an election in each of those states. I mean, it's not unprecedented. I mean, these people out there talking about martial law, it's like it's something that we've never done. We've done martial law has been instituted 64, 64 times. Yeah, all those Snowflake libs claiming that we shouldn't have martial law. Martial law is great. Who doesn't want martial law? Here's what I find fascinating. Republicans said that Barack Obama was a dictator, a a a dictator because he gave people health care. I'm, I'm not even kidding. A dictator because he ensured that 20 million more Americans would be covered through the ACA. And yet now that same party, uh, the the party whose sole obsession with the Second Amendment is that you never know when we might face a tyrannical government is openly supporting the guy calling for martial law. I mean, the cognitive dissonance here is remarkable. Now, as for getting this budding military dictatorship off the ground, things don't seem to be going too well. Rudy Giuliani had called Ken Cuccinelli, the the second in command at the Department of Homeland Security, to inquire about having the military seize voting machines, to which Cuccinelli said no, The military does not have that authority to go in and seize voting machines from states to coddle this far right conspiratorial fever dream. And what I mean by that is that Sidney Powell, among others, has been claiming for months now that voting systems vendors like uh, Dominion and Smartmatic are part of this grand conspiracy along with uh, Cuba, China, Venezuela, the CIA, the DOJ, Republican governors and secretaries of state to steal the election from Trump. And it sounds ridiculous and it is ridiculous. But at the same time, it's that much scarier because this is who has the president's ear. And so it's hard to really laugh off the ridiculousness of it all because we have the most powerful person in the world who's then getting his advice from the woman claiming that the election was stolen by Cuba, China, Venezuela, the CIA, the DOJ and Republican officials. At some point, even a Republican Party where the Overton window has shifted so incredibly far to the right has to acknowledge that this is just off the deep end. And yet, here are the reactions we're getting from lawmakers on the right. Here's Utah Republican John Curtis.
1: I want to get your reaction to to the stunning reporting out of an Oval Office meeting last night, including talk of martial law and screaming
0: matches. Well, let me just tell you, I've been in Congress for three years, and for three years, I keep hearing all of these worst case scenarios. We have to remember it was a conversation, not a revolution. Uh, There are far more important things in front of us, and I think we need to move on and tackle them.
1: But that's all you have to say to that? I mean, I understand there are far more important issues and we had you on to talk about COVID, and we will Look, in a you, second, but, but, but we, we, we can't just grow numb to incidents that, that would happen in a third world country, and we would have a State Department that would be alarmed about hearing these types of reports.
0: Listen, you're talking about a conversation that reportedly took place. We don't know anything about the details, and, and you just can't get me all riled up about that.
1: Does it bother you?
0: It bothers me that it's such a big deal to so many people who know nothing about the facts and know nothing about the details. (laughs) Right. Trump is just talking about a military coup, but he hasn't actually done a military coup. So what's everyone getting all riled up about? All this is, is a conversation among friends about a military takeover. Locker room talk. Am I right? Meanwhile, uh, the army secretary and the army chief of staff had to issue a statement saying, quote, There is no role for the U.S. military in determining the outcome of an American election. They had to say that because someone suggested it. Someone suggested in the United States of America that declaring martial law is an option to overturn the results of a free and fair election. So I get that Republicans uh, who, I should remind you, called Obama a dictator for passing health care. They like to pretend that Donald Trump is a toddler in a fenced in yard. And so, yeah, you can you can leave him out there alone and he'll be fine. But when you have the United States Army clarifying that they're not willing to send in troops to American cities in deference to bogus fraud claims, then maybe the Republican Party might want to stop deferring to this whole "will he'll go away eventually" approach, because all it's doing, clearly, is giving him a permission structure to be an actual authoritarian. Now, the idea that Sidney Powell would be chosen as a special counsel to investigate the election results reportedly sent shockwaves through Trump's inner circle. And mind you, this is an inner circle that survived. Four years of this administration, like, think about how bad of an idea something has to be to send shockwaves through an administration after four years of child separations, of exploding the deficit, of extorting foreign countries, of coddling dictators, of undermining NATO, of emboldening white supremacists, of letting a pandemic rip through this country. Trump probably could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue, and I doubt his administration would blink. So, yeah, for for shockwaves to be sent is a testament to just how off the rails it would be for Sidney Powell to be litigating any issues. And to that point, in Axios's reporting of this story, a senior administration official said, quote, people who are concerned and nervous aren't the weak-kneed bureaucrats that we loathe. These are people who have endured arguably more insanity and mayhem than any administration officials in history. Consider, too, that Powell's claims and, and conspiracies have been so absurd that Giuliani and Jenna Ellis had to release a statement distancing themselves from her. Giuliani and Ellis, neither one of whom had won a single case in this entire post-election period, saw Sidney Powell and were like, Yeah, no, she's not with us. And now, beyond that, you have Smartmatic Technologies and Dominion Voting Systems, two voting systems vendors that are gearing up for legal action against Powell. And remember, she she has used these companies as punching bags for the last two months and claiming that they're responsible for switching votes and that there was massive tabulation error rates and whatever else she could cook up, all of it completely unfounded. And now both Smartmatic and Dominion have sent legal notices out to Powell, along with uh, Fox News and OAN and Newsmax demanding retractions. And the Trump campaign also sent a memo out to campaign officials this weekend telling them to preserve documents related to Ms. Powell and Dominion in the event of legal action against her. So yet again, (laughs) The sowing part seemed fun. The reaping part? Yeah, not so much. So let me just repeat one thing. If for nothing else than the fact that the right is hellbent on claiming that this election was illegitimate and rigged, and because the onus is on us to make sure that we're not just allowing them to flood the zone without any pushback. So I'll say this. There has been zero evidence of widespread fraud. It wasn't proven in a single case of the 59 cases brought forward. Not Not even one of the judges who Trump himself appointed in Wisconsin, in Georgia, the Third Circuit, the Eleventh Circuit, or the Supreme Court has sided with him. Bill Barr's DOJ said there was no fraud. Chris Krebs from the DHS's cybersecurity unit said there was no fraud. Republican governors and secretaries of state have said there was no fraud. Even Giuliani admitted in court that he wasn't there on claims of fraud. And finally, it's pretty hard to claim that Democrats rigged the election when you consider that Republicans actually gained seats in the House and state legislatures, and didn't lose the Senate. And it would serve the right well to acknowledge these things, because even though it's not convenient, it's the truth. And at the end of the day, that is all that matters. Next up is my interview with Al Franken. Today we've got my friend uh, Al Franken. Thanks for coming back on. Uh, my, My pleasure, Brian. So let's jump in. We have Republicans all over the country signing on to these lawsuits to help Trump overturn the election results. Uh, the election's over, the litigation's DOA. I'm not worried about any of that. What I'm worried about is how you come back from this. Like, how do you recover when half of the government is fundamentally opposed to the democracy that they're participating in?
1: You expect me to answer that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this is was obscene. This yeah. is uh, completely counter to what our country's supposed to be about. This was... Um, Unprecedented, of course. Uh, this is uh, the Republican Party basically saying, if we can't suppress enough votes to begin with, we'll do it on the other side. This is terrible. This is we. I don't know if we recover from this. I think seventy-five percent of uh, Republican voters believe this election is somehow bogus. Yeah. I don't know how you recover from that.
0: I guess the question is, like, why do this for Trump? Because he ran behind every other candidate down ballot. He turned out 81 million Americans on the left. He's overseen the fourth biggest mass casualty event in U.S. history, and he objectively lost. So what do you think the upside is for Republicans who continue to to perform for him?
1: They know that his base is the Republican base. Yeah, he's got 74 million votes did lose, but it's the second most votes uh, that any presidential candidate has ever gotten. Yeah. And uh, they're afraid that uh, if they don't show this loyalty to them, that they'll get primaried and that'll be the end of their political career. That means a lot more to them than any kind of principle. I, I have some Republican former colleagues who I text to every once in a while. And I was asking them sort of the same thing. And this is a while ago. Uh, this is like 10 days ago, or 12 days
0: yeah. ago. Yeah. Which in the Trump era is a few years <laughs> yes. in normal people's lives. Yeah.
1: And I was saying like, um, say something, say something right now. Uh, this is yeah. bad for the country. This is bad. This is undermining our system. And they would text back stuff that made no sense. Well, you know, um, uh, having re, uh, you know, recounts and uh, audits of the election, that's good. That'll, that'll help the legitimacy if you have audits. <laughs> and I go like, well, yeah, but the president is, is you have the audience, audits and the recounts, and the president is saying it still doesn't count, right? It's still bogus, still rigged. And then they'd say something similar back and I go like, are you like literally pretending not to understand what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> yeah. And
1: at a certain point I, they wouldn't respond. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was, I'd go like, look, if you want to say, uh, I'm afraid of losing my next primary. Fine. Just tell me that. Yeah. That's when I'd stop hearing from them.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're seeing now, um, this migration from, from Fox News, and I, and I like speaking about Fox to you because I know that you have a, a special affinity for, for, uh, for right-wing media.
1: They, they sued me, Fox, Fox <laughs> News.
0: So we're seeing this migration now from Fox over to OAN and Newsmax because somehow Fox isn't conspiratorial enough. What kind of an impact do you think that's going to have on the GOP, in your opinion? Does, does Fox go more fringe to compete? Does it cut its losses and go more moderate? Like, what do you, what do you think that the right-wing ecos- media ecosystem is going to look like moving forward?
1: Oh, it's just getting worse and worse. Um, basically, we have two information universes in our country now. One is normal sort of mainstream media. You know, if you get your information from the Dallas Morning News or the Minneapolis Star Tribune, <laughs> you know, or, you know, maybe from the york times and the washington post and from cnn and from other sources uh maybe you read books or (laughs) you get it from uh you know social media you facebook sends you whatever it is you seem to want to read and so uh and the algorithms they know you better than you know yourself and they will they're all about confirmation bias, and they're all about their business model is keeping you on as long as possible, so they can advertise more to you so that's their revenue stream that's their business model so if it takes uh, getting you agitated and feeding you information about uh, Democrats i don't know uh being pedophiles who are storing children and or you know if if it's just simple simply is they all want to defund the police. We want the Democrats want a country with no police. <laughs> and I admit defund the police was a stupid thing to say. And it sounds like you're talking about abolishing the police. I think what people were talking about is maybe if there's a domestic disturbance at midnight, instead of two cops, they should send a cop and a social worker
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they should pay for the social worker. I think that's what they meant. And there's other police reform that we need to do. But no, it's, uh, we have these now two universes of information. You know, when Joe Biden says, I want to unite America, you know, unite people, you know, good luck.
0: Yeah. And, and, the, you know, there's a part of me that, that, doesn't blame the people who get their information from these news sources because you can't know what you don't know. You know what I mean? And and so much of, of of the information that they get when they regurgitate it. And it's you know it's it's my own loved ones. It's my own friends and family who who bring this information back and you can see that it is so fundamentally wrong, you know, but if that's the information they're given, then that's the information they know.
1: Yeah. And we don't have uh we don't have enough civic Education in our right. in our schools. A lot of people don't have the basis of which to make those kind of judgments. Uh, also, a lot of it is about geographical, uh, you know, being in an area that's very red or being in an area that's very blue. But and and we're getting more segmented in that way as it is. Yeah. So this is it's, it's been going in a bad direction. This does not help. Yeah. What the Republicans have done, what Trump has done is incredibly destructive. And I hope they pay a price for it. Uh, You know, I think there were like 17 uh, members of Congress who signed on to this, who said that the their election was illegitimate. Right. You know, they were in, uh, you know, they're in they're in districts that they're saying should Those elections should be
0: overturned. I don't think they should be seated. Right, and that—that's the thing. I mean, if—if if you have to assume that if they are actually acting in good faith, then then why seat people who think their own elections were rigged? Were were should be invalidated? You know, like call their bluff. It's
1: a really good argument. I would like to see them make that argument. Oh no 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 go away! You you said your own election was illegitimate. Right. No, no, you can't come in here. I think you're going to have to be reelected in some election that you think maybe two years from now, you could run again. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when I was, was, I was in the Senate, we had a number of members of the house who said that Barack Obama was born in Kenya, was not an American and shouldn't be a president. And I asked my chief of staff, let's make them go through a metal detector for the state of the union. They can't be in a room with someone who believes is a usurper. Yeah. How do we know that they're not going to do something about it? Put yeah. them, at least put them through a metal detector to make a point. And my chief says staff said, no, you can't do that <laughs> politically. Yeah. And I, I was kind of not quite sure why not.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I do wish that we would be able to, that we would kind of have the, you know, fight fire with fire and, uh, and call their bluff. And, you know, if they think their election's rigged and like. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't seat somebody in the in the United States House of Representatives. And I'm
1: not even sure that's fighting fire with fire. I think that's fighting fire with something actually kind of legitimate.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got if if we're assuming that they're acting in good faith, then like, then yeah, why not? You
1: got you can only come in here and represent your people if you believe you were elected,
0: right? Well, I want to move over to the to the issue of accountability. Um, you know, over the last few years, we we've, we've seen so many abuses uh, from from Trump to his kids profiting off the presidency to people like Louis DeJoy, who tried to sabotage the post office um, and almost succeeded. Uh, And I'm sure we're going to see, you know, a a flurry of pardons that defy every law of justice. But um, would you want to see accountability for these people in the next administration, or are you of the mind that investigations are going to beget more investigations and it'll never end?
1: I think that as president, you Keep your hands off this, and if people in the Justice Department have legitimate belief that laws were broken, and they believe those are rise to the level of being investigated, then they should investigate. It. I just think that the president should stay away from this.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's fair. Um, so so I know you touched on this, and I want to talk about Democrats messaging because we have a party. In Republicans that have overseen a botched response to the pandemic, an economic recession, a jobs crisis, and yet Democrats lost seats in the House. We lost seats in state legislatures. We failed to take the Senate uh, so far. We've heard people like Kelly Leffler call Raphael Warnock uh, a socialist 75 times at their debate. So clearly they have have a plan and they're sticking to it. What's the Democrats' equivalent to what are clearly potent... um, Wedge issue messaging on the right.
1: It's interesting. I was talking about this on my podcast about uh, with Maria Teresa Kumar, and we were talking about the disinformation that uh, you know she basically signs uh, registers Latinx folks, and and she's talking about all the disinformation that they are getting, including disinformation. She, she got a relative from Colombia warning her about the disinformation Latinx folks in Miami-Dade were getting. Mm-hmm. And, and part of what they do now is not just register people, but they have uh, people talk to them about what is disinformation, about real-correcting t- <laughs> disinformation. So we are talking about, like, what makes someone want to spend 40, 60 hours a week spreading disinformation. What is, you know, I mean, you're, Brian, you, you're trying to get information out there. You're not going like, I'm going to wake up every day and spread disinformation. What kind of person is going like, damn it, I only spent 40 hours this week spreading disinformation. (laughs) I should be spending 60 hours. Shame on me. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what this is. I do think there's a fundamental difference. Now, are all my former Democratic colleagues, you know, virtuous? Believe me, no. <laughs> yeah. But, wow, what, what is this? You know, and, and are there faults with uh, mainstream media? Oh, boy, yes, yes. Our information is, and our, our media is kind of screwed up in a lot of ways. But there is a fundamental difference between what you get from one side and from the other side.
0: The way that I've that I've kind of justified it to myself is that Democrats have the more popular agenda to run on and and Republicans don't. I mean, lowering taxes for the wealthy is not a nationally popular agenda item. Uh, taking away health care from Americans is not a nationally popular. item. agenda You know, it's you know a
1: popular agenda Who? or lowering taxes on the wealthy. The wealthy.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. So, the, I mean, the, the way I justify this to myself is that th- they can't run on their agenda. So the lies are all that they have. The disinformation is all that they have. Because if they were to just be honest about what they're running on, I mean, like lower taxes for the wealthy, to, you know, um, uh, squashing a woman's right to to choose what she does with her own body, uh, uh, you, you know, like all of these all of these items are not popular with the American people. So they they have to. They rely on the disinformation because it it serves as a cover for having to actually talk about the truth and, and so that that's why it's just these culture war wedge issue bullshit items about radical socialism and migrant caravans coming to to rape and pillage and and you know they're coming at we're coming to knock down your door so we can rip the guns out of your pry the guns out of your cold dead fingers because if it was actually a good faith conversation based on the truth on our actual on each party's respective agendas then it would be okay, well, yeah, we're looking to give liability shields to corporations, vote for us.
1: There are, I, at one time, there were sort of legitimate <laughs> issue differences that we had in in our country. Uh, one thing I say about Democrats is we don't message great. Yeah. Uh, I have this thing, I said that our, our bumper stickers uh, usually end with continued on next bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now except to fund the police now that wasn't a bumper sticker but it's our first catchy phrase which yeah. actually barely yeah. anyone was saying it and, any, and the people who were saying it, I don't think we're saying abolish the police they're saying let's reform the police and right. maybe spend less money on certain aspects of the police but to reform them properly you might have to spend more money I don't know we we certainly are not recruiting cops in the right place. There's a lot of yep. bad apples. Uh, again, on my, uh, on my podcast, I had Charles Ramsey who was chief of police from Philadelphia and then from, and Washington who was head of the Obama task force or commission to reform police, which was disbanded of course, by Trump when, when he got in, you know, he said, there's a lot of bad apples, but you have to look at the apple tree and where we're recruiting from. And there's a whole whole list of other stuff, obviously, like training and de-escalation. Uh, okay. I was a big champion of crisis intervention training, which saves a lot of lives. So you, yeah. uh, police recognize a situation where they don't, shouldn't be using force. And there's a lot we should be doing. And sometimes we don't message what we're doing correctly and other times, and we are also a wide party. We have you know, we have AOC and, and we Engine. have Biden now. AOC uh, supported Biden and I think those differences are healthy and good and mm-hmm. uh, she really, you know, she represents her constituency well and she's a powerful force and spokesman. But, but that, that broadness of our party is very different from what I see as a very narrowing of their part, yeah, and that makes it easier to message,
0: right? Totally, especially if the only dissenter in that party is like you have basically Mitt Romney, and then the rest of the Republican Party, and so certainly in
1: Congress, this appears to be what it is in Congress, and then yeah. every once in a while, uh, another, you know, there there might be. Should we not get the Senate, and I hope we do, and I would encourage everyone. To do everything they can. This is the finish line for this election, and I've been fundraising for Unite Here, which is a ground operation of that union. The culinary workers in Nevada are a great ground operation. They're part of Unite Here. They are on the ground in, in Georgia, uh, doing a great job. Right now in Georgia, it is not a persuasion <laughs> campaign. It's a turnout. Uh, turnout the vote. The turnout. Campaign. It's going to be very, very close. Uh, Doorknock for Warnock is why I put it. <laughs> yeah. But in COVID, the stuff, and that's what they're doing. So they're doing that, and uh, they're being very careful during COVID. Every one of their canvassers from out of town has his or her own hotel room. They travel yeah. in their own car. That's expensive. So if you can go to help them unite here, uh, that'd be something you can do because this is the finish line. This is it. The 2020 election went into overtime. This, and what's at stake is the United States Senate.
0: It's talking about the, these, these, the simplicity of our messaging as opposed to you know the, the continued on next bumper sticker messaging, why not go out and say, and, and this is what, what I think we should do, but I, I'd like to hear your, your thoughts on this, is just go out and say, simply enough, we will give you a $1,200 stimulus check. Period. We'll pass a fifteen dollars minimum wage. We will legalize marijuana. These are simple, uh, uh instant gratification issues, as opposed to telling a twenty-two year old that, like, you know, that was already
1: three times longer than their message. But <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's funny about the marijuana legalizing marijuana in Minnesota. There are two legalized marijuana parties that are on. Get the part. Get a line on the. Oh, you know general election pick, uh, ballot. And because of them, we, we were two seats away from taking the state Senate, which meant we would have had both the Senate, the House, and, the gov- and also we would have had the governor. So we would have been able to pass anything that we could agree on as yeah. a party. Because these two legalized marijuana parties were on the ballot, we fell short by two seats because they took votes away from the DFL, Democratic Farmer of Labor, candidates for state senate. And so we don't have a majority in the state senate. So we will not have a legalized marijuana yeah. law yeah. voted on in Minnesota because of the legalized marijuana. All right. Now, if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about marijuana, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what does.
0: First of all, that's an argument for ranked choice voting. Um, and second of all, I mean, look, if there are enough votes to siphon vote, votes away that people will vote on that as a single issue to the point where they will blindly, you know, cut off their nose to spite their face, so to speak. That that speaks to the potency of that issue. So I mean, like, there are simple issues that aren't so convoluted as like help us protect the ACA so we can protect coverage for preexisting conditions, as opposed to like well, here's the
1: thing, for example, uh, I think we've discussed this before. Medicaid expansion. The last five states to pass Medicaid expansion by referendum in their states are Idaho, Nebraska, Utah, Oklahoma, and Missouri. All very red states. Why? Because Medicaid expansion is what great for rural America. Yeah. So how do we not win <laughs> on that issue? How do, how do people in rural Minnesota not know that issue well because we don't message it well enough yeah uh we have to we have to be smarter too we have a large uh Latino community in Minnesota they don't turn out and they should be turning out for us and we don't do a good enough job messaging to them we we can do a lot better job that's for sure and what you're saying I think would uh it's something we have to be looking at
0: simplifying the message. But, but what I'm saying right here isn't very simple. No, but 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 what you're saying is is right in the sense that regardless of what wing of the party you belong to, if you look at someone like and and this was uh, I discussed this in an interview with uh, with uh, Chris Murphy, Senator Chris Murphy, a couple of weeks ago. But if you you look at someone like uh, like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, and they are laser focused on on their issues, and that's why you know. That's why they have such a such a, a, a an enthusiastic following. It's because every day it is hammering down on the issues that they care about. It is taking you know everybody knows that if you talk about taking uh, taking money away from the top, uh, you know one tenth of the top ten percent, you're talking about Bernie Sanders because he is focused on those issues. And so so whatever the issue might be, he's a champion on those issues, and in many ways, he is to the right of a lot of Europe.
1: But if you look at where he and Elizabeth were on single payer, they were for single payer without any ability to get private insurance. Now, politically that is not a winner. We picked up 41 seats in 18 on healthcare basically. And that's because in 17 Americans got to see what take, getting rid of the ACA would do, but I, I love the idea that because Joe Biden wanted a public option, he was a socialist who yeah. really, really wanted communism, which is <laughs> right, what Trump right. says. And it's just like the social—I mean, the uh, uh, public option is communism.
0: <laughs> Joe Biden, the uh, the the Marxist, you know, the the, yeah, the radical but left. They will say that man oh man they will say that Pete Buttigieg said it best he said they're going to call us socialists regardless of what we do so we might as well uh, uh, do what's right
1: well or the argument I mean Pete was more in the middle there of everybody so if he says that then then Bernie might as well go okay so then let's be socialists (laughs) (laughs) I'm listening to you Pete
0: that only makes sense <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so I, I do. I do have one last question. That is, uh, and that is, do, do you wish, uh, you know, is there is there any any part of you that that hurts that that you're not still on SNL in the in the midst of uh, of, of basically uh, of these Sidney Powell, Kraken, DOJ, CIA, Republican governors and secretaries of state, uh, Cuba, China, Venezuela, Hugo Chavez, all conspiring to to steal the election from Trump?
1: I wish I was in the Senate.
0: Yeah. All right, Al. Well, uh, well thanks so much for, for joining. It was It's always great. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, man. Thanks again to Al Franken. Have a very Merry Christmas, everyone. Be safe, and I'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to No Lie with Brian Tyler Cohen, produced by Sam Graber, music by Wellesley, interviews captured and edited for YouTube and Facebook by Nicholas Nicotera, and recorded in Los Angeles, California. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your preferred podcast app. Feel free to leave a five-star rating and a review. And check out bryantylercohen.com for links to all of my other channels.